The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So it didn't stop there though. It all of a sudden, um, my speech was starting to go, my fine motor was going, I could no longer swallow food. So it was literally as if someone was taking and just shutting off all the switches. So then I get this horrible headache and I slip into a vegetative state. Victoria Arlen spent four years locked inside her own body, unable to speak or move. Miraculously, she defied the doctor's prognosis and began to fight her way back. Next on Life Today. I'm Betty, and this is James, and you're really going to be in for a blessing today. <laughs> you got competition for your smile today. <laughs> you know, we have got a, a beautiful young lady. As a matter of fact, I think she just had her 22nd birthday, but when she was 11, she got a disease that in a short time put her in what some might reference a comatose state, but actually she was a vegetative state. No awareness of what's going on. Her eyes were open, but she has no consciousness of seeing. For two years, knew nothing, and then for the next two years in that same state, she knew everything that was going on around her, but nobody knew that she did. And the journey is uh, its one of the greatest miracle stories you'll ever see because there was no way she could get better. And I mean, you know, the doctors probably thought this was just foolishness that the parents actually think something might happen. But how about we just show you a miracle of Almighty God? <laughs> Would you welcome Victoria Arian to life today? Would you do that? Arlen is the way you say it? Yes. Okay. Victoria, you are a blessing. Now, I want you, you to tell us, because I can't say the name of what you had. The disease it's is... It's a mouthful. Yes, say it. It is a transverse myelitis affecting my spinal cord and acute disseminated encephalomyelitis affecting oh my, my brain. Goodness. Well, we so you got normally it. only get one. Yeah. I decided to just go all oh. in and get <laughs> both. All. As my mom says, you just like to go big. So <laughs> I went for it. <laughs> you're one of triplets. Mm -hmm. And the others are boys or girls. Boys. Two boys and And then you. I have an older brother. And an older brother. Mm -hmm. All right. So this hits you at age 11. So mm -hmm. it's a little over 10 years ago. Tell us the process, and we want to move to the miracle, but I want you to tell us your story. And I want to say this to you. This beautiful miracle of Almighty God can communicate the life and love of God wherever you want to invite her. And I want you to keep that in mind because later we will tell you how you can invite her. When you do, she's going to pour love and grace and the power of God all over you. Take care of her. I mean, I'm talking about love this girl. And you send her on her way blessed so she can continue to help others. Tell us your story that you want us to hear. I know you're writing it. I know it'll be in a book. But just tell us what happened. Tell us about this journey. So I'll kind of give you the cliff notes I want version. you to. Yeah, that's what we need. Um, when I was 11, I started kind of experiencing a lot of weird health issues. So I would get pneumonia. I would get, I developed asthma. I was having fainting spells. And I was the kid that never got sick. And then all of a sudden, I was getting sick every two weeks. And then on April 29, 2006, um, I woke up with a horrible pain on my right side and really just really ill. I was not well. And so two days later, they took out my appendix. Two weeks later, I lost a significant amount of weight and I started losing the ability to stand. Mm. So my feet would give out and then my foot would drag. And all the while, doctors are telling my parents I'm doing it for attention. 
not really giving us the, not really seriously considering what was going on. And then I became completely paralyzed after two weeks. So I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm 11, so I'm not really thinking the seriousness of it, but I'm also like, I have field hockey practice and dance coming up and why can't I get out of bed? And so it didn't stop there though. It all of a sudden, um, my speech was starting to go, my fine motor was going, I could no longer swallow food. So it was literally as if someone was taking and just shutting off all the switches. All the while, doctors are still not sure what's going on. So then I get this horrible headache and I slip into a vegetative state. And for two years, I have no idea what happened, who I was. I, I was Were you in a told, hospital much of the time? I was in and out of hospitals, in yeah. And so um, you'd stay at home and just have to take constant care. Yes, so it was kind of when things got too severe, I'd be in the hospital. When things were manageable, we had a hospital basically set up in my little piano room that I used to play piano. How did you eat? I had a feeding tube. So I was basically dependent on machines and 24-hour and care. And so those two years, I was kind of, things would get bad, things would get better, and it was really nothing consistent. And then, then it got really bad. And then we were pretty much in a hospital constantly. And that's when I kind of woke up on the inside. And I was having seizures for, you know, 18 hours a day straight, mm. just mm. on and on and on. And so I woke, I kind of woke up, and I remember having this vision where I'm, I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm thinking I'm talking clear as day but I'm not, I'm actually speaking in my head and doctors and people are walking through and I'm like, hello, what's going on? Where am I? You know, no tears had so passed either. they weren't either. seeing any signs. They, they weren't seeing nothing. anything. They heard nothing. They heard nothing. And then I realized very quickly that I was locked in and started hearing the prognosis and hearing what had happened and how they kind of messed up and missed it mm. and realizing, oh my goodness, I'm locked in. And so no one could hear me, but God could hear me. Mm. So I really just now, kind were of- you, were you in your- say this state of unconscious consciousness, mm -hmm. were you talking to God? All the time. <clears throat> were you telling him you needed something to happen? I mean, were you aware this is a situation that needs some repair? <laughs> yes, well, I, I think I just had this, this undying sense of just wanting to live. And so I just would thank God every day that I was alive. And I, so I would also find five minutes of gratitude and I'd find all that I was grateful for mm -hmm. and find one good thing and just hold on to that. And also just say, okay, God, I'm one day closer, I'm one day closer. And all the while my mom is, you know, she's putting on Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen and she is <laughs> preaching like she is, is letting me know you are a victor and not a victim and, and just really, really filling my now, world. This, when you're hearing this, did that encourage you? Oh, completely. And, and you knew they didn't know you were hearing it. Exactly, but my mom had my nails painted, she had my hair done. I mean, they never really accepted that I was gone. What's mom's name? Jacqueline. Jacqueline, and, hey Jacqueline. God bless you. She is an angel. Hey, I'm telling but you. But how did it make you feel like you weren't, at least you weren't alone? Oh, exactly. You and know. I think if anything, um, my parents would just, had just made me feel part of the family. They would hug me. We celebrated my birthday. We celebrated Christmas. I mean, I was never quote unquote gone in their eyes. And they just kept believing for that miracle. And on my 15th birthday, we had a healer from Uganda come, Father Bashabora, and he literally, he doesn't make house calls, but had heard my story and came and prayed. And, and said to my mom, she will be healed. And that was the first like beacon of hope we had been given other than, you know, from God and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember it got but really, like he, really bad. He really felt like he said something that he knew. He just it, knew. It built their he knew that yeah. it wasn't this. And I knew too in my heart that this wasn't how my story was going to end. Did you know he was saying that? You heard oh, I heard that? it completely. Yeah, and I was okay. like, thank you. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've been feeling that. So I need some people to kind of reaffirm that. And I think my family would, would do that too. And, and I remember 
after that, things got really bad. And so I made a promise with God and because I feel like it's always darkest before dawn and we all have moments where it's kind of that 4.30 in the morning mm -hmm. where it's, it's really dark and you, are, you don't know where to go. And so I remember laying there and just being like, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm trusting in you. And I said, but I'm going to make a promise with you because I haven't, I haven't stopped talking since to you. But I was like, if you give me a chance to not only live, but thrive and survive and get back 100%, you know, be able to stand up tall and be able to get out there. I'm going to do whatever I can to make a difference and use my voice to change the world. Because mm, since I was five amen. years old, I wanted to change the world. And so he kept his end of the promise. And so it's, it's kind of been now my, my journey to do, to do the same. And that miracle, all I needed was a miracle. And sometimes miracles come in the simplest of forms. And for me, it was literally a blink. And that's all I needed. And I had been praying for that. I was like, God, just let me give my parents one sign. And that sign was locking eye contact with my mom and blinking. And that was kind of our Christmas miracle. Oh, would she then say blink and you'd blink? Yeah, she looked so at me. So now know there's something going oh, on. Oh, she look, I locked eyes on her and yeah. she sees me and I'm like, hello. Something like, is going my eyeballs, like, I'm content. like, hi, I have big brown eyes. So yeah, like, yeah. you can't miss these eyeballs. And so since I was a baby, you could, you just knew it. And so I locked eyes on her and she was like, if you can hear me, you know, can you blink? And I was like, uh-huh. Like, Here I am. And then, and then it just, then that was kind of. No, I was like, <laughs> like, in my head, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, here yeah. I am, mama. But you were hearing all the conversations, and I got to yes. ask you, in the medical community sometimes, it doesn't necessarily think they're going to see these miracles, you know, yes. like, they know that even a lot of church people believe this only happened back in the New Testament. Yes. Like they somehow yes. passed away and God changed all mm -hmm. of a sudden. But your parents didn't, and you heard that hope, and inside you so What were the doctors, some of them, saying? That they didn't know you were here. Yeah. So you wouldn't believe how doctors uh, treat you and what will they'll say when they think you're not there. Let's say not all of them. And you're not, well, not, not all of them. them. Yeah, no, I've had, them. I have an amazing group, and I, I can't tell you some of the nurses and doctors that really did give me just incredible care. Even They didn't even know that it was benefiting me, but certain ones, you're always going to have a few, I think, everywhere in the world, and we're all different. And they would, I remember this one doctor, I was in the intensive care unit, and my parents had stepped out and this doctor just came in and said to a nurse was like can you believe these parents think that their kid's gonna make it you know this kid's a goner and I'm like excuse me like, <laughs> I can hear you but I think I think what what a big problem is is, is people tend to accept the diagnosis and the prognosis mm -hmm. when you can accept the diagnosis but you don't have to accept the prognosis because at the end of the day, God is the ultimate physician. And so my parents knew that, I knew that, mm -hmm. and, and people just have to realize that no miracles do happen. You just sometimes have to really grind it out and, and find that or even have that moment. And to this day, I'll see doctors and they'll look at my scans and they'll look at me. And I was, one of, I was definitely a worst case scenario because I didn't get treated and I, it could have been completely avoided. And so they say you they shouldn't They mistreated be here. it when you first came in or they could have stopped it, but they, they didn't know. They could have stopped it, they but they didn't it. know because yeah. okay. it was very rare in 2006. Now mm -hmm. there's a lot more, um, and I'm very fortunate to be kind of more of a voice for that, for awareness. But um, just realizing that, you know, there is, you always have hope. When you have hope and when you have faith and when you just have the power of a family's love and more importantly, a mother's love, anything is possible. What do you want, as we pray for you, what do you want God to do with your life the way you see it right now? I've already said uh, you would come and speak. If they want to contact you, website they would go to. Yes, they can go to victoriaireland.com. All right, and it's there. All right, you you entered, you started swimming, right? Yes. Is that because you couldn't walk for a while? Yes. So How long did it take before you could walk after you um, were coming out? Ten years. I was ten years. in a wheelchair for ten years. Wow. And this past March, through the grace of God and also a mom on a mission, I took steps. 
and then haven't stopped since. Well, are you, I notice you're wearing tennis shoes. Is that for better balance? Um, yes. So I'm not in, I'm not at the point where I can wear heels yet. And so Converse has been very good to me and they just, they give me shoes. Oh, so right. I can't right. wear yeah. heels yet. So, so but, starting but, but, my own trend. But now you're walking, so what did you do in swimming? Because you became actually competitive. You, yes. What did you do? So I, um, I learned to swim kind of without the use of my legs and then ended up in London at the Paralympics and I got to achieve a childhood goal of winning a gold medal. When I was five, I told my mom I wanted to win a gold medal and she's like, okay. <laughs> Were you a swimmer then? I was, I was yeah. a water baby. I grew up <laughs> loving the water. Like that was my place. I used to tell my mom I'd see angels in the water. Like that was my, that was my place. Like I would, I would just, I think I wish I had gills when I was little because I just would constantly submerge myself underwater. And so that became kind of my refuge to get out of my chair and to just not have to be, not have to be reminded of my circumstances or what had happened to me. Are you going to do anything competitively now that you're getting your strength as part of the testimony or <laughs> just for fun? How does I, that feel? I, I, it's funny. Now that I'm up on my feet, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of everything. You know, I want to do a triathlon. I have this this notion of running a marathon. So I think expanding that, I I, I mean, there's so much on my, on my list of things to do. And swimming, I got to, I was very fortunate to check everything off and swimming very quickly. So there's so much more out, more things I want to explore and, and continue to kind of defy the odds. And let just let bring me the ask you, do you see the glory of God on this girl? Let me ask all of you out here. <laughs> she's a beautiful girl, but do you see a what I would call like an aura of the glory of God on her countenance? Do you see that? Isn't she, isn't she a special person? I want you to really pray for her that God will use her and just open doors. And then I'm praying. You know, I pray for all of our, our girls that got the most wonderful husbands and our granddaughters are going to be in the process of doing the very same thing. Several of them are, already are and our grandson's getting great uh, wives. But I'm praying that God will, will give you uh, someone to love you that loves God more than anything in the world so he can love you properly. Can I say that prayer for you right now? <laughs> Father, I pray that for Victoria and I pray that for every girl watching right now and every woman that has not found that love and women who are married to some man that doesn't seem to really know how to love. Help us to learn that as men. Do it supernaturally. But for these girls that are saying, count me in, I do. And Lord, for Victoria, I just pray that you'll put someone in her life that loves you so much. Not somebody trying to impress her with some religious uh, uh, jargon that really is not there, but the real deal. So they can love her the way every woman should be loved. And then I pray that you'll open doors for her and use her beautiful gifting to inspire people to know that there's nothing impossible with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You had some kind of a communication or something on ESPN or something. What was that? Did yes, you so I work for ESPN. I am a reporter. Work for them? I work for them. Yes. So right I became, now? Yes. It's Good my job. job, ESPN. Good job. I, um, I became, uh, and that was a whole other series of Godwinks, but um, last year at 21, I became one of the youngest on-air talents awesome. ever hired. Wow. That's so great. it's been, so an, what it's did you honestly, cover? What did you cover? Swimming? I cover or? everything. I cover swimming, hockey, um, ESPYs, the uh, Special Olympic World Games. Did you go to the Olympics? Games. No, I did not. So I was covering the ESPYs and all mm. 
those okay. X Games. So I do a little bit of everything, and I'm on route to doing some so other really cool things. So that's a steady deal now? You still yeah, doing so that? Yeah, so I'm starting my second year in December. That's okay, great. can you do your speaking engagements along with those assignments? Sir? Well, absolutely. I feel like I'm kind of living on an airplane I between <laughs> ESPN I and speaking mm -hmm. and all these other amazing opportunities that God's opening up for me. So I'm kind of in like, it's it's funny, my mom always laughs because she's like, it's like you have a pot of soup and there's just a lot of vegetables in it. <laughs> I love vegetables. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll just keep on, keep on filling it. You're, you're amazing. All right, if, you, if you've Thank got an you. invitation that would really excite you right now. You went to Joel Osteen's church? I did. Lakewood? Yes, I, I know that was a joyful with... experience, wasn't mm -hmm. it? it? And was. you knew you were loved, right? Oh, absolutely. And they knew God miraculously heals. Absolutely. If you could have something to say, oh, I'd just like to see God give me this opportunity. Do you have something that's in this when you're laying there, God, I want to see you do this? <laughs> like you'd my like... passion? Yeah. What is so it? it's actually really funny. My passion, uh, since actually what actually was one of my lifelines when I got sick is I've always loved acting and film. And so when I was sick, I would write screenplays. And now they're actually on paper and, and in and some good hands. But um, I think that's an, an opportunity that I know in God's timing to be able to do that and to explore that. That's been my passion since I was a little girl. And that was kind of something that kept me surviving as I was like, God, I'm one day closer to following that dream. So if I can get through this pain, if I can get through these seizures and also having my own show, I think I would love to have a show where I could impact people. Where well, you can show where I can keep the glow. Right? Yes, exactly. They're not going to take away the glow. Exactly. Right? So I think, okay. I think spreading light and love has always been a mission of mine. And so I think TV and, and television and even film is, is just a great platform for that. So being able to continue to explore that. You want to talk to our son, Randy? Yes, we he, talked just... Oh, you have already? Mm -hmm. Cause he, did you tell him some of this? Because he's very interested in all those yes, things. Yes, Yeah, he'll be praying with you. Mm -hmm. He'll probably call people up say, I found somebody. Oh, great. You know, right. <laughs> Would you say thanks so much to Victoria? Thank you. What a blessing. Didn't you enjoy that? Father, I pray for people right now that need a miracle. And they may have the doubters all around them. But Lord, if it happened here, it can happen for them. And I pray that you'll build up hope like you kept in her heart. And we pray for the miracle. And we pray for the peace that prevails until the miracle unfolds and the manifestation is complete. In Jesus' name. I hope you feel loved because you are. And you know what our viewers tell us, Betty? That they seem to experience the greatest peace and contentment when they're sharing love. Our viewers tell us that there's no greater joy than meeting a need and knowing it's effective, that expression of love. Well, I want you to listen. There's interaction here. Sheila Walsh, who's so gifted of God and has a broken heart, and I think she shares the very heart of God when she talks, when she sings. I want you to listen to her. In a field of dreams, for us, to be the miracle that turns pain into indescribable joy and life because of love. Watch. I'm here and just what is a small part of a massive graveyard. I've never seen anything like this in my life. But this part that I'm standing in, um, these are all children. And the thing that has touched us as a team so deeply is the way that the parents have tried to honor their children in some way by leaving something on the grave, whether it's just 
you know, little booties, um, a little toy that meant something to the child. Some parents have literally, all they had was like an empty water bottle, but they just wanted to leave something to say, this is my child, um, and they were loved. And James, you'll remember being here. I mean, you were here, and you'll remember the impact this place had on you. What would horrify you is how it's grown. Dear God, I'm in the midst of a thousand children's graves. Most of them didn't have to die. They died like this little kid here that didn't have the nutrition. We're told that millions face death right now in Southern Africa, where I'm kneeling in the midst of children's graves. We're on the edge of such an epidemic again. In fact, just behind me, they've dug four little fresh graves, and there's no children in them yet, but they're getting ready because they know they're coming. And that's why we're here, and that's why we need to do something now. We need to be able to go into these villages and feed these children and bring hope to these parents so that these four little holes back here stay empty. We need your help, and we need it now. You know, that's 25 years ago. <laughs> you can tell I was a little different. But I'm really glad that my heart was tender when I was young. Some people think it's just that you get old. No, love never gets old. Compassion never gets old. It gets stronger. And to know, Betty, that we stopped so many little children, you did, people like you, from being buried. Well, you know, James, you look at all those graves, and, and I, I'm, I, as I was watching, I thought that those shouldn't be there. That should be a place where children are running around and playing instead of parents, mothers burying their children because they don't have enough food for them. They don't have any food. They, they don't have any resource. And that's such a simple solution that we can help with. We can help offer hope in life to these mothers as, as they try their best to take care of their children and, but when they have nothing to work with. So won't you join us? Won't you give, a, give an opportunity to go there and, and, and see that the children are fed and taken care of through your giving? You are there with your love offering when you give to help get the food to them. Please I'm, I'm asking you to please, uh, this is our last week right now. We, we end the year, we go into a new year. And I know you can make year-end gifts and sometimes you can make a very large year-end gift. And, and I know that we've had a miracle uh, challenge by some of our friends to match $400,000 of what uh, is given. In other words, what you give is doubled. And this last week, I'm just saying, God, would you just pour out your love on those precious people that just need food? Right now, the missionaries tell us that there are several drought areas, and that really hits these third world countries hard. And they've set up many new areas. We've got 400,000 that they're trying to head off from death. We have the malnutrition clinics, which is like a last resort. It's just so sad. But many times we're able to save them there because of you. So would you ask God right now, what do you want me to do? Knowing that 30, 50 or $100 feeds three, five or 10 children for the next several months. We're trying when we get them stabilized then to start feeding them at school, a meal a day. 
those five days a week for school, and it'll bring the boys and girls. And then it helps their minds be strong and nourished. And it costs $1,400 to feed kids in a school for three months. It's a, a whole different type of diet. It's not quite as, let's say, as uh, scientifically analyzed because they've been stabilized. We try to meet the need of the region, what those kids need when they're starving. So we're asking right now, this last week, and we want to see the, the greatest outpouring of love possible. If you could make a, a $1,400 gift, it'll be doubled. If you make a $100 gift, it'll be doubled. Would you make even perhaps a, a, a gift that you say, this is one of the largest gifts I've ever made, knowing what it's going to do? Would you go online, the website you see right there, take your bank card, use it, or would you dial the number there and say, here's my bank card and make the gift. If you want to write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're mailing. Betty, I'd like to be able to tell the missionaries we're going to be able to do more. That you can actually go find some more kids that need food. You're not limited. Father, I pray that'll happen. In Jesus' name, would you right now get up and move to your computer, your laptop, your iPad, however you want to do it, or dial the number. Make the gift God puts on your heart knowing it'll be doubled. And I remind you this is our, our last week for this emphasis on feeding for the next months. Thank you. In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of Life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children. And $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget, your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be doubled to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children. And you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You know, we've got beautiful gifts for you that will bless you without rival. Lisa Bevere, we love you, Lisa and John, and then the, ch the children's complete uh, uh, illustrated Bible. This is absolutely beautiful. I mean, there's just not a, a page in it that's not fabulous. And these are the stories about that your children will hear the, the Word of God where they understand it. Uh, you know, Victoria said something while we were watching. She said, I want to go to the mission field. And she means it. And then she wants all of you to really pray that God will use her, and I know that He will. Aren't you excited that she wants to go to the mission field? Would you tell her thank you? Thank you, Victoria. You've been a blessing to us. And I know you've been blessed, and I think you're a blessing. Thank you for helping us help those children. Last week, we need your help. Thank all of you. Can hear me cry.
I want to believe that I'm better than the mistakes that I've made. Sarah Jakes Roberts, daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes, next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.